If you have a Bible today, I'm going to go to Luke chapter 2. Luke. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's pray together before we start. Father, we thank you for your word. We bless you and we praise you for your word. Lord, I thank you. Your word was sent to Zechariah. Your word was sent to Mary. You sent the living word, Jesus. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. The word was made flesh and dwelt and tabernacled amongst us. And we beheld his glory. And to as many as received him, the living word, you gave the legal authority, the right to become the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but now we are the sons of God. And Lord, I thank you for revelation and utterance this day as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Good. Well, I want to read in a moment from Luke chapter 2, but we began a couple of weeks ago speaking about encounters. Would you say encounters? Hallelujah. I love that word. Come on, if you, if you catch anything I say today, catch this. God wants to have an encounter with you. God wants to have an encounter with you. And I actually, I've been thinking this recently. It concerns me when I see Christians, and especially younger Christians, maybe a little younger in the faith, who've never had an encounter with God. And I feel I meet, it's possibly like even a generational thing, but I feel I'm meeting lots of Christians who've given the, the head to Jesus. Who've, who believe the right things, and I think they are born again, but have never had an encounter which shook them and baked them and changed them. Does that make sense? And I believe God wants to encounter us. I know there are things, there are times in my life when literally, I mean, I, literally Jesus walked into my room once. Times where, where he's done things that my mind can't explain away. And I know it's not enough to simply build your life on good doctrine and good principles. It's a good thing to say, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Amen to that. But that's not enough to stay there. I want to feel his love. I want to experience his love. Come on, don't, don't check out on me here, but I, I really believe this. As evangelicals, we say we believe something because the Bible says it. But the goal of good, good doctrine isn't to produce a man or a woman with good doctrine. The goal of good doctrine is to produce a man or a woman with biblical experience. I don't only want good doctrine about healing. I want to be healed. I don't want to memorize Christ the healer inside out and back to front. I want to walk in health and I want to see God healing others. And I think at times we content ourselves with good information, good doctrine. And I think we've got to meet Jesus and encounter him. Hallelujah. And I, I'll be honest, I'm not, I never used to think about this in that way. I'm a faith person, I'm a word person. And anytime somebody would come to me and say, Graham, I'm looking for an experience. Part of me, part of my DNA would be to say, listen, forget the experience, just come stand on the word, engage your heart in the word and that's enough. And I believe that is enough, that's absolutely true. 
I, I think any time we come to the Lord and say, Lord, I demand that you give me an experience. I won't believe you unless I get an experience. Do you know what God will say? Read my word. God refuses to be put in your test tube. He refuses to be put on trial. Hallelujah. Hmm. Do you remember when the Pharisees came to Jesus, Matthew 60, and they said, give us a sign. Give us a sign. Jesus said, I'm not playing your game. He started quoting scripture. He said, if you want a sign, read the prophet Jonah, read Isaiah, read the scriptures. Now, if they would have actually hung out with him for five minutes, they would have seen signs and wonders and miracles all day long. There were signs everywhere. And any time we come and we kind of demand God prove himself for the benefit of our flesh, God will usually say no. It's interesting. Do you remember that story about Lazarus and the rich man? I don't actually think that. It's the only parable where the guy has a proper name, like Lazarus, a real name. I don't think it was a parable. I think it was a real story. And Lazarus goes to Abraham's bosom, to heaven, if you will. And this, this rich man is, is in Hades, suffering in torment. I know that isn't popular to say. I believe hell, Hades, is. you call it what you want. I think it's real. I think people are, are sort of trying to whitewash and sanitize Christian. I think we should talk more about heaven and hell. I think it's real. It's real. It's not some figment of somebody. Somebody says, Graham, do you think there'll be fire and sulfur? No. I think it's worse than that. I think it's real. And in that story, here's what I'm trying to get to. The guy, the rich man in hell, he's, it's really interesting. He's miserable. He blames everybody in town that he's there, but never, he never asked to get out. And what does he say? He says to Abraham, would you send Lazarus that he might go and visit my, was it seven brothers? I've got seven brothers. Would you send Lazarus to talk to them and tell them about this place so that they don't come here? And what does, what does Abraham say to the rich man? Abraham says, they've got Moses. They've got the law and the prophets. If they don't believe the scriptures, why would they believe somebody appearing from the dead? And I want you to catch that. We can never force God into a corner and put him on trial and say, you have to do some spectacular thing that I might have my faith in this experience. Again, I want to be clear. Anytime you base your faith in an experience, it's faulty. It won't work. You could have a glorious experience today. And by this time next week, you'll be going, was it real? I don't know. Did that actually happen? John the Baptist baptized Jesus. He saw the heavens open, the glory of God. He saw the Holy Spirit coming on Jesus. like a John the Baptist is doing his ministry, and God Almighty spoke for the first time in the Bible audibly and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I think John was feeling pretty good about his ministry that day. Whew, I didn't baptize the wrong guy. You know, this is, imagine... Imagine like you're preaching and God comes and confirms your word. Wow. A year later, John's in prison. The lights are off or everybody's left him. Nobody's celebrating his ministry anymore. And John begins doubting, were you really the one who should come or should we look for another? So come on, I want you to catch that. If we, if we base our faith on an experience, that's a faulty thing. Base your faith on the word, but 
I think when we are people who base our lives on the Word, God wants to give us experiences. And I want to suggest to you, I want to read some of the Christmas story today, but the Christmas story is a story of experiences. I love this story. You couldn't make it up. God takes this crazy, wild... In England, we have a thing called pantomime. Has anybody ever heard of a pantomime? It's like a Christmas show they run in theaters. It's really for kids. And it's weird and wacky, and you've got this crazy, all-sorted bunch of people singing and dancing on this. I always look at this story a little bit like that. God got all of these witnesses to the birth of Jesus. He got a high priest named Zacharias. He got a working guy, a carpenter called Joseph, a young, probably a teenage girl called Mary. He got a bunch of shepherds. He got these wise men. We wouldn't let them in a church, most of those wise men. They were like astrologers. They were like, you know, wizards in a way, weird thing. You know, the king, the angels, they all show up, and yet they all have a God encounter. Come on, let me read from Luke chapter 2. Let me read from verse 1. And it came to pass in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census took place when Quinus was governing Syria, so they all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the town of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his wife, his betrothed, who was with child. So it was, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. She brought forth her first son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same countries shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you in this day the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, today, quickly, good tidings of great joy we bring you. Do you know the church doesn't have any bad news? Come on, we've got good tidings of great joy. That's our mission. That's what this whole story was about, to bring good tidings of great joy. I think the Lord wants the church obsessed with good tidings of great joy. We don't have any bad news for this world. We've got good news. We're the carriers of good news. And what is this good news? It's really simple. You know, there's a truth all the way through the Bible that God was looking for mankind. Right at the very beginning, when Adam and Eve sinned, the first thing Adam and Eve did when they sinned is they hid themselves from God. They sewed fig leaves together. Some people think that's why Jesus cursed the fig tree. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a theory, but... Uh, and they were hiding from the Lord. 
And then I want you to see that the Lord comes walking in the cool of the day in the garden looking for Adam. Hallelujah. I love that. And it literally says, in Hebrew it says the Lord raised his voice. Can you just see the Lord looking for his man, looking for his woman? And the Bible says the Lord said, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? John, where are you? <laughs> you guys are messing me up. You sit on the front row. I pick on you. <laughs> it's, it's the reserve signs, right? <laughs> Do you know God is wandering around? The eyes of the Lord run to and throw throughout the whole earth. What's he doing? Seeking those whose hearts are right towards him. Do you know God's looking for people right now? Maybe you're here today and your kids are far away. Maybe you don't know where they are, or maybe they're just they're far away from God. They're near geographically, but they're not where they should be. And probably as a parent, there's that cry in your heart, where are you? I tell you, every day God wanders the earth. God wanders Times Square and uh, Parliament Square and every square you know, on planet Earth. And he's like, where are you? And, and the gospel story is simple. Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. And I don't think it's hard to have an encounter with God. I think God is easy to find. He says, you'll find me when you seek me with your whole heart. When I was young, I used to play hide and seek with my kids. And they're not very good at it. Maybe they're a little better now, but, uh, you know, when we used to live in France, kids would play hide-and-seek, and yet you could always see what, there was always a leg sticking out under the carpet. This strange lump in the bed that shouldn't be there. Yeah, this pile of cushions they put on the thing, and, uh, you know, part of the game was obviously to pretend you couldn't see them and to start looking, and, and then you'd hear this giggle, like, you know, they were trying to be found. Can I tell you guys, do you know, God, people say, like, it's hard to find God. No, it isn't. I don't think it's hard for anybody to find God. I think the very second we start looking, we find him. Come on, imagine, imagine you're one of those wise men. Do you know the Bible doesn't say how many wise people? We say three kings, three wise men. There were three gifts. We don't know how many. There could have been 50 wise men. And they weren't Jews. They came from a far-off land. And literally, they were probably astrologers. They were probably like Zodiac readers. They were, they were, you know, in the midst of all of that foolishness and mumbo jumbo, those guys were looking for Jesus. They didn't even know what they were looking for, but they were looking for the real God. In all of those silly charts and horoscopes and, you know, stuff and nonsense, they, their hearts started reaching out to the God who made the universe and saying, we want to know you. We're looking for you. I tell you guys, there are people looking for God. There are Iranians driving cabs in London looking for God. There are people in Sturbridge looking for God. They may be looking in the wrong place, but they're looking for God. Every time, every person on planet Earth gets up and there's this like longing in our heart where we're trying to find something to satisfy us, we're looking for God. And I tell you guys, if we, if we start looking for God, God will put a star in our sky. If we start looking for God, he'll find a way of breaking through. 
Sometimes people say, what about the people in the Amazon who have never heard the God? Do you know anybody who starts looking for God, God will find a way of breaking through. You know, I keep hearing in Gaza all these reports of people having dreams, people crying out, and, and Jesus breaking into their dreams. Hallelujah, and speaking to them. Come on, he's not hard to find. And can I say that for those of us who are born again, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we've stopped seeking the Lord. You say, Graham, I'm a believer. I've already found him. He's found me. Like, amen. But we should keep, we should be God seekers. Now, I know he's not hiding from us and we've got his promises and we believe them by faith. But there should be that thing. God loves it when people seek him. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. We all know, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts and the plans. The next verse says, you'll find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Now, it's, it's confession time, okay. The camera is only on me. How many of you like watching rom-coms, romantic comedies? I don't, one person. <laughs> Do I believe this? Okay, my daughter is, she's probably downstairs, but she'll be number two, yeah, and, uh, is that it? okay, how many of you have ever watched a rom-com? I know you didn't enjoy it, but, <laughs> come on, who's ever seen Pretty Woman? I don't know, <laughs> Pretty Woman, <laughs> have you noticed, I mean, most movies, there's a little bit of a formula about how they, you know, the, the, the curve, what do they call it, the arc of the plot kind of thing. Have you noticed every single rom-com always ends up the same? There is a chase scene in the last 12 minutes of the movie. You know, they all start the same, boy meets girl, like, they actually usually start boy meets girl and like, oh, whatever, I'm not impressed. And suddenly, within the first 50 minutes, like, the light goes on and like, wow, and... They start this wonderful romance, and then, you know, trouble hits them. You know, they, they have this argument, this separation. They go through the thing, whatever it is, the conflict, whatever. It usually ends up with the, the wonderful, pure, sweet girl going like, I love you, but I can't live this way. I will go back to my parents. I will go. I am going to the airport now. You know. <laughs> Meanwhile, our hero... Is, is in the bar and he's got everything he wants and his friends are saying, you're well rid of her. And suddenly he comes to himself and goes, oh no, that is the girl I love. Is this sounding familiar? And of course he's in New York City where he has an interesting, challenging, well-paid job in a modern looking office kind of thing. So suddenly he has to borrow a strange conveyance like the broken motorcycle of a friend or whatever. And of course, chase through New York City, and he's trying to follow that yellow cab, there aren't many of them, to find the girl he loves. And of course, he chases and he arrives at Kennedy Airport just as her plane flies off. And he's sitting there feeling, you know, I've missed her. It's not like there's another plane one hour later or whatever. But... And then suddenly she walks out and says, darling, I didn't get the plane. And they all live happily ever after. 
The sermon's really going downhill, isn't it? <laughs> so the angels, um, no. <laughs> now somewhere amidst all of that wonderful movie uh, is probably a truth that people like to be chased. Come on. Yeah. Come on, ladies. Do you like it when, I don't mean like he chase you around the kitchen kind of thing, but like to be pursued, to be wanted, to be, to be valued, to be chased. Do you know, guys, we chase the things we value. God, the Christmas story is one of God chasing mankind. I mean, literally, he came. This is, this is I was say it's a rom-com. It's not a com, but it's a rom. Can we put it that? Come on, this is the greatest love story ever. And the king of the universe set behind him all of his father's wealth, all of his greatness, everything. And he came to chase Adam's children. You know, Adam, where are you? Cain, Abel, Seth, where are you? Their grandchildren, where are you? Their great-grandchildren, where are you? And the God of the universe looks over the, the balcony of heaven today at planet Earth and says, where are you? I'm looking for you. And I, I think, here's what I really want you to catch today. God is, God is looking for mature men and women who say, who will reverse every day we get up and we say, Lord, where are you? I know he's there. He's really easy to find. But you know, God likes to be chased as well. Yeah. I know his promises are sure and certain and he'll never leave you or forsake you. But at times, God wants you to get your faith active and chase him with your faith. God wants us to be at peace, amen, but he doesn't want us to be passive or lazy in our peace. He wants us to be in peace, amen, but active in our faith. The widow woman, in Luke 18, Jesus spoke about a woman who had faith. She didn't have anything else. She had, she had a promise that something was owed to her. And she came every day banging on the door of this judge saying, I've read the book. I know what belongs to me. Give me what belongs to me. And I think God loves it when we chase him. I think God loves it when we search for him. I know he hasn't gone anywhere. I know his promises are there, but he lo loves it when we will seek and search for him. And we'll say, Lord, I want to I encounter you every day. Do you know, I, I really believe this, guys. I believe God has encounters for every single life that are completely different. God knows the things you need. I think God's got meeting. He's got Jacob's ladder experiences. He's got, you know, meeting the woman at the well experiences. He's got different ways of breaking through into our life that will mark us, that will change us. And can I, can I say this lovingly? I'm convinced that God is sovereign, amen, but you have free will as well. And I think so often, I, I literally think probably every day, the Lord is setting us up with glorious encounters that he's planned before the foundation of the world and we get so busy I think every day the Lord says how often I wanted to gather you I wanted to meet you I wanted to encounter you but you were too busy you would not you were watching Netflix you were just doing something not wrong it's just you, you didn't see what I had because you were just wrapped up in the things of the day 
And I believe, come on, I believe our, our glorious Savior wants to ride in and save us on his horse. Have you ever had your life saved? Anybody ever had their life saved? When I was a young man, I used to go scuba diving with my father in uh, the UK where I grew up. And uh, probably every, pretty much every weekend, maybe not the winters, but spring, for the summer, fall, you know, with a bunch of other guys, we'd go scuba diving and uh, in Wales. And sometimes we'd go into, there were a couple of like flooded quarries that they have in Wales, old slate mines, coal mines, where they'd, they'd sort of allowed water to come in and just like these massive things you could go down and down. But sometimes we went scuba diving on the seashore. And once when I was about nine or 10, I went scuba diving with my dad in a place Leah knows, Triada Bay, like this big bay there. And, uh, I don't know if anybody's ever done any scuba diving. There are probably some wonderful countries in the Caribbean where you go and it's beautiful and the, the, the sea is like glass. You can see for miles and there's brightly colored fish. Wales is not like that. <laughs> Wales is flipping cold. I mean, it's cold. You don't get used to the water. Your body just goes blue. And there are sometimes you can see on a, there's actually weather underwater. It sounds weird, but there really are. Some days there's like great visibility and the sea is calm. You know, sometimes you'll see the seashore and it's just like glass, it's flat. Other times there's a lot of tidal motion and it stirs up all that sediment. And I went diving once with about 20 guys, my dad, and uh, we're in this bay and we go, you know, we're down and we've got oxygen, you know, the pack, whatever. And uh, suddenly we hit this patch where I can't see a thing. It's just all this sand and sediment in front. We're trying to stay near to each other. And I'm at the back of the pack kind of thing, swimming along with my dad near me. And then suddenly I got tangled up in this old fishing line. I don't know if you think about that, but occasionally people go fishing. You know that kind of nylon twine or whatever it's called? And... You know, sometimes if the fishing line gets tangled on something, they'll try it. They'll just chop the thing to get rid of it. And I'm swimming along and I suddenly get tangled in this fishing line. And like a lot of things in life, the more you try and untangle yourself, the more tangled you get. And I can hardly see my hand in front of my face. And suddenly I'm like, <laughs> I'm completely tied up. I can't even reach my hand, and this, this thing's just floating, and it's all I'm, the more I try and untangle it, the worse it gets. And I'm sure some of you have been in things like that, but suddenly panic begins to hit it. And I realized I couldn't see anybody, and nobody could see me, and nobody really knew where I was. You know, I'm about 100, 150 feet under the water, and Somebody could probably see some bubbles coming up, but it's really hard to track somebody with that. And I, I suddenly get this realization, I've got about 20 minutes of oxygen here, and I've, I'm like tangled up in blue, like Bob Dylan sang, and I've got no clue. I wasn't even a Christian at the time, and I'm, I'm just, it's like, like, like going up a violin string. I'm just screaming, help, and help. I mean, there's no sound underwater. Nobody can hear you scream. And suddenly, out of the cloud, my dad comes in, like, you know, with background music. Da -da 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 -da. 
I'll never forget this. My dad swims in, you know, pulls out this great big uh, crocodile Dundee-esque, that's not a knife, that's a knife. Knife. <laughs> that's another rom-com. Look, look at the end of that. There's a chase scene. <laughs> and of course, he sets me free and, and, and takes me back up to the surface and, uh, phew, and my life saved. Come on. Good dad, yeah. Good dad. Come on, Jesus wants to set us free. We can't untangle ourselves. He comes to seek and save that which is lost. And I, I just want to encourage you this Christmas season amongst all of the, the cool, fun, great things we do and we should do at Christmas. Let's not miss the glorious opportunities. I was in Liverpool two days ago. And uh, yeah, Liverpool. <laughs> Matt is a Liverpool supporter. And I, was, I, was, I had a little apartment I'd rented, an Airbnb, where I was kind of basing there. And one thing, I, one day I was up near, a, there's a street in Liverpool called Matthew Street. Matthew Street is where the Cavern Club, anybody ever heard of the Cavern Club? That's where the Beatles used to sing. And I always think of this. So for about three years, every single day, like six days a week, the Beatles would play in this club at lunchtime where people went for lunch. And they just so, every, my mom worked about 10 yards from where the Beatles played for free every day. Do you know what? She never went once. She was like, oh, that's noisy music. I didn't want to hear that. No, Nobody would ever listen to that. And then a few years later when they were filling stage, she's like, I wish I would have gone and, yeah. yeah. Can you imagine like working every day 10 yards from where the Beatles are playing for free? and you just don't bother going. I tell you guys, I think God's got glorious <laughs> things for us. Do you know what, do you know what? There were, these wise men traveled from far lands to seek and search for Jesus. Do you know, there were many other people who didn't, there were people living 10 yards from the inn or the stable, they never saw him. Do you know, there were probably other people who saw the lights in the sky at night and went, oh, it's, yeah, UFOs, yeah. <laughs> but they never, they never searched it out. When the wise men came, they first went to Herod. They went to the palace, thinking, like, we're looking for the king. Herod, what did Herod do? Herod, Herod sent them on the way, and he said, if you find him, tell me. Herod never went to see him. Many people never bothered Seeing Jesus, they were too busy. So come on, I, I want you to catch just two simple truths today. Truth number one, God is seeking and searching for you. But truth number two is, you only really meet him when you seek and search for him. He's not hard to find, but there's something, it's like the Lord, the Lord wants us to chase him a little bit, just a little. The Lord wants that thing in us that says, Lord, I'll, I'll switch my phone off and get my Bible out. Yeah. Lord, I'll, I'll, I'm seeking you. I'm searching for you. You know, as you open your Bible, say, Lord, I just don't just want doctrine. I want to meet you. I want you to speak to me. I want you to give me a word that's real, that's powerful, that will change me. And I believe if we will do that, the Lord will give us glorious encounters. Some of them will be small. Some of them will be just the right word at the right time. Some of them will be absolutely life-changing. Thank you, Jesus.
Come on, to seek and search that which was lost. Hey, let me finish with this, but uh, can I tell you about the best Christmas gift I've ever had? Leah's taking notes. <laughs> so, last, last Sunday, I was preaching in a little church in Wales. Again, Leah will know it. In a town called Bamaris. And um, I, I had a God encounter last week. So, <clears throat> last week... Uh, great church, had some fun there, the Lord healed some people, preached, I think it was a great message, had a real great time, we're having some tea and coffee and sandwiches or whatever with the people afterwards, and somebody came to me, and just, I had a God encounter at the end of the message. Somebody came to me and said, Graham, 20 years ago, you were here in this church on Christmas Day, 20 years, yeah, 20 years ago, with your wife and your dad. My dad always would come on Christmas Day and sit at the back of the church. And they said, that was the day I gave my life to Jesus. And this person now is an evangelist full-time leading people to Jesus. And I've, I've actually said that a few times, but I've never met the person again. And uh, so something like 20 years ago, I got to go to, on a church on Christmas Day and preach the gospel. And one person gave their life to Jesus. And now they're still, that was, me being there 20 years ago was a God encounter for them. Them sharing that with me today, you know, a week ago, was a God encounter to me. Yeah. Hallelujah. And I tell you guys, don't be, let's not miss the day of our visitation. Let's not miss the things God's got for us. And I think at times the Lord will do really small things that we won't see the power of, maybe till eternity, maybe for years to come. But he's seeking and searching for you. He says, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek, you will find. Come on, let's pray together as we close. Lord, I just thank you that you're, you're seeking and searching those who are lost. And Lord, we say here we are. We thank you that you've already found us. You've already visited us. Lord, I thank you that heaven, heaven broke into the earth 2,000 years ago, and I thank you that you have broken into the lives of so many here in this room. But Lord, I, I pray that we won't be contented, we won't be lazy, we won't be passive. I pray that we'll continue to seek you. And I pray this Christmas season amongst, thank you, Lord, for family, for friends, thank you for food, thank you for Amazon. <laughs> all God's people said to them. Thank you for, for all the blessings of life. But Lord, in the midst of that, we just want to take a moment today out of our busy lives and say, we seek you. We're looking for you. Looking unto Jesus. We're, we're, we're overjoyed at all you've shown us in the past, but we want you. We want your word. We want your spirit. We're hungry for you. And Lord, we're not of those who will draw back. We're not of those who will go some of the distance and then make shipwreck of our faith. Lord, I thank you that we will be here. We'll be here now. We'll be here next year. We'll be here until you come or until you call. Because we seek and long after you, Lord Jesus. And we bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we're going to have our prayer team up in the moment. And if you need a, if you want to have an encounter with the Lord, why not come and Get somebody to pray that prayer of agreement and just agree in faith for that encounter. So again, stay and have some cookies. <laughs>
and bless you. If you're not here next week, be here next week, but have a wonderful Christmas in Jesus' name. Amen.